We are wrapping up our series, the three R's to finishing strong. This morning's message is called Redemption. Before we get there, I was thinking about this, the idea of how just a little bit of weight can make a seemingly easy project seem significantly harder. And as I was thinking about this, I think of how many times I have taken my daughters to the park right behind Pharmacy, if everyone knows how the town works. I am like three blocks. The walk there, easy. I could, I could run that, no problem. Coming back, somebody's always tired. Somebody always needs to be carried. And all of a sudden, that nice, easy three-block jaunt feels like 100 miles because I've got, and not that my kids are big, but just that added weight makes a seemingly easy project significantly harder. And even if, for those of you that work out, you know that the line between manageable weight and too much weight isn't huge. There's a line, it's just a little bit of weight, suddenly those reps aren't quite so easy to hit, that just the challenge goes up a little bit more. I'm speaking from other people's experience, clearly. Um, it doesn't take much weight to make a monumental difference. So my first question for you is, can you think of a time when a little bit of weight made a big difference? So I shared my story of taking my kids to the park, and it's not just the park, and it's just any piggyback ride, any anything. As soon as the six-year-old or the three-year-old or even the eight-month-old is in the arms, everything just takes a little bit extra effort, gets a little bit extra tiring, just weighs you down just a little bit more. As we enter into this last message, if you haven't tuned in, I encourage you to check out the last two services because they are really important in this time. We've talked a lot about how November has been a tough month after a really tough year. 2021 has no doubt been one of the hardest years on record. 2020 may have been the year the world changed, but 2021 has been the, war the year where we all decided to fight and be divided and be disun the unity has been a lost thing and so 2021 has been really hard and we're getting to the end of the year and we're starting to get tired and so the question is whether you're tired or not how do we finish strong we started by talking about rest and how even though the pressure may be on and we just feel like the need to just work even harder and rest less God has called us to be people of rest so that our energy levels stay high so we can think clearly and work hard. Rest is so important. And last week we talked about remembering. Remember that you are not alone. You have a family of God around you. You have God who never leaves you or forsakes you. You have his word that is meant to encourage you but also give you the endurance to surpass and overcome any trial that may be coming your way. And this morning we're talking about redemption. And redemption is a word that we throw around a lot at church. It is not a new word. Uh, if you're new to church, then it might be a new word. Um, but it's not a biblical word by any stretch. Redemption gets thrown around a lot. Uh, according to the scripture, the literal definition of redemption is the release of people, animals, or property from bondage through the payment of a price. So what is involved in redemption? There's something under bondage, whether it's property, an animal, or in the case that we're talking about this morning, it's somebody. And when we talk about bondage, we're talking about slavery. 
Somebody has been sold to or sold themselves into some form of slavery, and in order to get out of that slavery, in order to get out of that bondage, they have to, or someone has to, pay a price to get out of it. And this whole idea really starts in Leviticus 25. So if you got your Bibles, you go to Leviticus 25. Um, I know for most people when they are writing through the Bible in a year, um, Genesis we get through, Exodus is kind of exciting, and then we get to Leviticus, and the first seven chapters are all about sacrifices, and we kind of tune out Leviticus. Because Leviticus gets a little draggy. But if you could stick it out, and if you are attentive, and if you're prayerful as you go through Leviticus, there's some really interesting little tidbits in there. And I, th- and I wonder how much of it we disregard as cultural. Oh, we can never do things that way. We can never bring that back. But I wonder if we did, how much it would change the way we work and the way that we experience God's blessing. Leviticus 25 talks about rest. We talked about earlier. It says that you are to work the land for six years, and on the seventh year, you are to let it rest. And if you honor God in this, the sixth year would be so good that you'll still be eating the harvest of the sixth year well into the eighth year when it's time to pull off that harvest. But the idea is just as you are to work six days and rest on the seventh, the land is to work for six years and rest on the seventh. And after seven years of rest, so 50 years, in case you're trying to do the math, after 50 years, there's this thing called the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, everyone who had ever been sold into slavery, every piece of land that had ever been sold, everything that had ever been done for whatever reason, on the year of Jubilee, it automatically reset. Do you imagine farmers... Every piece of land you ever sold, and in 50 years, it's coming back. doesn't matter what you sold it for. doesn't matter the reason you sold it. It's all coming back to you. That'd be cool. I don't know. Maybe some of you are like, I got rid of it for a reason. I don't want that back. Um, but the idea in Israel was that this land was the heritage of the ancestral family, the tribe. And so in order for every tribe and every family to keep their lot in the inheritance of God, we couldn't have land moving around too much because all of a sudden families would disappear and tribes would disappear and all of a sudden we'd go from 12 tribes to two tribes because, and God wanted to preserve his gift. He wanted to preserve his people. So every 50 years, everything reset. When someone were to sell themselves into slavery, it wasn't forever. It was based on the idea that However long between the next to the next jubilee, you sold yourself for that many years. So there's only 10 years left. You only sold yourself for 10 years of slavery. If there's 40 years left, then the price was higher. <clears throat> and every year, it was just one step closer to being set free. With all that in mind, it gives us, gets us to the verse we're on today. Leviticus 25, starting in verse 47. This is where we get the idea of redemption of people. If a stranger or sojourner with you becomes rich, so somebody who is not an Israelite, someone who is not a Jew in your midst becomes rich and wealthy, and your brother beside him, his neighbor who is Jewish, who is Israelite, becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or the sojourner with you, or to a member of the stranger's clan, then after he is sold, he may be redeemed. 
This is what God means by redeemed. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him, or a close relative from his clan may redeem him. Or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. So it wasn't just you had to have a family member come along, but you could actually work hard, save up, and get to a point where you could actually buy yourself out of bondage, which is pretty cool. Most nations did not have that clause. Once you were sold, you lost all of your rights, you were done. But in God's kingdom and in God's plan, you had an out. You could actually get yourself out of the situation you got yourself into. <laughs> this is how it worked. He shall calculate with the buyer from the year he was sold himself to him until the year of Jubilee, and the price of his sales shall vary with the number of years. The time he was with his owner shall be rated as the time of a hired worker. So basically, you got sold based on how many years to Jubilee, and then based on how many t- years you've worked, that's what was taken off the price. You have earned that, that price has come down, you've, <laughs> you're basically devaluing yourself, but you can be bought back based on the years that you put in as a slave. If there are still many years left, he shall pay proportionately for his redemption from the sale of his price. If there remain but a few years until the Jubilee, he shall calculate and pay his redemption in proportion to his years of service. He shall treat him as a worker hired year by year. He shall not rule ruthlessly over him in your sight. And if he is not redeemed by these means, then he and his children shall, with him shall be released in the year of Jubilee. So if he can't be redeemed, doesn't matter. The 50-year mark, he gets off anyways. For it is to me that the people of Israel are servants. They are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So God says, nobody in Israel shall be a slave to anybody who is not one of your own, because everyone in Israel is mine, and God does not share. When God has declared you as his chosen possession, he does not share with anybody. He does not want you in bondage to anybody. You are his and his alone. But basically what we've learned about redemption is the fact that when somebody was sold into slavery, it was the, it was, the emphasis was put on whoever the closest relative was. So if you got sold, it was up to your brother to redeem you. If your brother couldn't afford to do it, your uncle did it, or your cousin did it. And if your uncles and cousins couldn't redeem you, then somebody down the line, the further it got, the less of an obligation it became. But then the question became, well, what about those situations where, the situ- where it's so bad, where the person that is, is so indebted, they've sold themselves for so much to get out of the situation that nobody can afford to get them out of it, and there's no chance of them getting themselves out of it. How do they get redeemed? How do they get set free from foreign bondage? How do they get out of the situation that they got themselves into? And Psalm 72 tells us this, for he, talking about God, for God delivers the needy when he calls, and the poor, and with him who has no helper, he has pity on the weak and the needy, and saves the lives of the needy from oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. So now all of a sudden, this is really important. The language has changed. 
It was up to a family member to redeem somebody who had sold themselves into slavery. Nobody else could do it. It had to be either some family member or some distant relative. Someone in the clan had to be the one to save the day. If it couldn't be a clan member, then the person could buy themselves out of it. But if nobody had run out, Leviticus said that God didn't want anyone in slavery because they're his servants, but all of a sudden God is saying, well, actually, I'm the, I am the redeemer. When all else fails, when nobody else is there, when the poor can't defend themselves, when the poor can't stand up for themselves, when those who are needy cry out, then I am the one who steps in. And what this, why this is significant is now God is not talking about people as if they are slaves and possessions, but they are talk, he's talking about them as if they are family. You're my family. I don't want you in slavery. I don't want you in bondage. I don't want you working for anybody else because you are my family. You are my child. And when nobody else is going to step up, I will. And the whole point of redemption is the idea that somebody, for whatever reason, gets into slavery. As soon as you became a slave, you lost all of your rights. Especially you got sold to a foreigner. They didn't treat you the same. They didn't see your value. They didn't know you as a child of God. You went from being a person to being an object, a piece of property to be worked like an ox or like a donkey. You had no rights. You had no say. You had no voice. You were nothing in the eyes of your owner. You were a slave. And the idea of redemption was it was up to your family to step in, pull you out, so you stop being worthless, you stop being beaten, you stop being treated as less than, and you became family again so that you could be, have your value back. You could be treasured again. You could contribute again. You are family And when nobody else could do it, God reminds us that we are not just objects for him to play with. We are not just pieces on a game board, but we are the family of God. And when nobody else will do it, God steps in. God redeems. God pulls us out of our muck and mire because he doesn't want us in bondage to anything. Question two, have you ever been caught in a hopeless situation and how did you get out of it? Have you ever been in a stage of life where everything just seemed hopeless? And I was thinking about that. I was reminded of an experience that I had. Um, right out of Bible school, I, I really desperately needed work. I had an apartment. I needed to pay rent. And all throughout school, I had loans. Mom and dad had saved up some money for me, so I didn't have to work all through school, but as soon as grad hit, all of a sudden the funds ran out, and I was was panicking. I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet, and I got hired on by this crew um, who didn't really say anything other than the fact they needed a hand. They needed a hand. I needed money. Seemed like a match made in heaven. Uh, I was like, okay, so where should I meet you? They're like, we'll pick you up. That should have been an alarm bell. Uh Uh-oh. They picked me up, and off we went. And then I'm informed that we are going to a site, we're going to stay at this site until the job is done. We're going to work stupidly long hours. You're going to climb to the top of really high buildings. We're not harnessing you in, and uh, you might fall. Not our problem. Uh Uh-oh, of course, now I'm in the truck. Now what do I do? 
I am way too far from home. I got very little sleep the night before, and I am up way higher than I care to ever be. When, when we got to the first assembly, we had a really tall building, and I would not go up the ladders. They're like, why? And I'm like, now I think of the story. I'm like, huh, I remember why. Because I was in this situation. I was really high. I was working with tools I'd never, never worked with before. Definitely could have hurt myself. I was panicking. I was at the end of the day. I'd put in a 20-hour day. And I would literally felt like I was going to fall. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, my dad called. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Not good, dad. I don't know where I am. I don't know what we're going to do. And three hours later, dad showed up. I have no idea how he found me. Because I didn't have a smartphone. It wasn't like there was GPS for him to track me. Although, somehow, he found me. Somehow, he figured out where we were. And he saved me. Because there's nothing I was going to do. I wasn't going to walk. I had no idea where I was. I was way too far from my apartment. I was way too far from home. And these guys couldn't have cared less. If I had fallen, it was just one less paycheck. Is really their mindset. I was hopeless. And it's terrible. And the reason that this is so important, this idea of a hopeless situation, and the idea that God steps in, because when it, we talk about the three R's, when we talk about finishing strong, running the race that God has called us to, and living this life to our fullest ability, when we talk about getting to the end, it doesn't matter how well you rest, it doesn't matter how many Bible verses you remember, but if you do not step into the redemption that is found in Christ alone, you will never get to the end, because whether we realize it or not, the sin that runs rampant in our world and that we so often carry is weighing us down. And that little bit of weight, whether you're aware of it or not, is going to get in the way of you finishing your race well. When somebody, one of the most common things we hear when someone gives their life to the Lord for the first time, they pray that prayer and say, Jesus, you are now my Lord and Savior. I surrender everything to you. 90% of the time, the first thing they say is, oh, I feel like a weight's been lifted off of me. Hey, oh, I feel like so light and free and I didn't even realize I had a weight until this very moment. When we did the set free, thing, set free retreat a couple months back, that after the first session, we were all kind of gathered around, we are all talking, and we've all been believers for a long time, but we were working through this list, and we're confessing to each other, and we're praying for each other, and we're standing outside, and we're like, I feel good. I, I, I feel like a new person. That weight has been lifted. That weight is just off my shoulders, and we're the scripture like Jesus saying take up my burden because my burden is light like all these things you start to realize why Jesus says this stuff and the problem is we so often sink back into our old habits we so often get caught up in our old vices and you want to know if you've got something in your life that's not supposed to be there you got like a little bit of a sin problem there is a couple of litmus tests you can do on your life. Number one, what's the first thing you do when life gets tough? Where do you run when life gets tough? 
Number two, where do you run when life gets good? Why are those the same thing? I'll show you why in a little bit. Number three, where do you go when you get bored? You want to know why those three? I'm going to pick on a couple people. Um, not picking on anybody. I am not singling anybody out. If you are dealing with any of the problems that I am about to list, I am not trying to put guilt on you. I am just using these things as an example. You look at somebody who has, had, who has an alcohol problem. When life gets tough, they drink more. When life is good, how do they celebrate? They drink more. When they're bored, what do they do? They go to the fridge and they drink. Someone who has a porn problem. Life is tough, what do they do? They turn on, they turn on the computer. When life is good, they're like, hmm, just, just a little bit, just a little reward, just to, you know, just because things are going really well. And when they're bored, that's the big one. Every vice, everything that is trying to steal the throne of your life from God alone falls in one or all three of those categories. Where do you run? Because when life is tough, where are we supposed to run? We run to God alone who can pick us up out of the muck, who can give us the strength, who fights our battles, who goes before us. When life is tough, we go to God. When life is good, what do we do? We praise God because God is the giver of all good things. And when we're bored, throw open the Bible because God is an exciting God. God's not boring. God is not a killjoy. If you are really stepping into all that God has called you to, he knows who you are. He knows what you're passionate about. He knows what he has called you to do. If we're living the life that God has called us to, it is not boring. It is not a bad thing. It is not a lame thing. It is good and fulfilling and exciting and joyful. So if you're bored, if your things are good and things are bad, and you're not turning to God, what are you turning to? And that thing that you are turning to is going to weigh you down. Because the thing about sin is that it has unreal expectations. It wants more and more and more, and it lies. It tells you it's going to give something back, and sin never does sin steals it kills it destroys and yet so often after our redemption after we have god has pulled us out of that slavery and given us new life we so often find excuses to go back it's not that bad yes it is because a little compromise here, a little compromise there, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're fully entangled. Everyone who ever struggled with alcohol did not just go full-on alcoholic overnight. It was a little compromise, it was an extra drink here, it was a little bit more there, and all of a sudden, they are so dependent on it, they can't get out of it. Every vice, every addiction, every problem, everything that just keeps sucking us back is stealing the life that God has called you to. And if we're going to step into the redemption that God has called us to, and we're going to stop being slaves and start being family, it's got to be a clean cut, clear cut, flee from sin for all of your life. And it's not to say we're not going to stumble. It's not going to say that we're not going to slip back. And we have a good God who's going to pull us back. But the problem is, is that we so often think that, oh, this is happening to me. It's not happening to you. You are making the choice. You're making the choice to 
and you would fill in the blank. It doesn't matter how much you rest. It doesn't matter how much you remember. It doesn't matter. If you do not step into the redemption and the full meaning of what it means to be the family of God, you'll never finish your race. In fact, without the redemption of God, you can forget about getting to the finish line. You don't even know where the finish line is. If God is not the loudest voice, if God is not the one you turn to in every situation to be your clarity, to be your wisdom, to be your source, if you are not finding your purpose and value and vision in God alone, you'll never make it to the finish line because you don't even know what the finish line is. Three R's. Rest, remember, and the most important one is redemption. You are not a slave. You are not a piece of property. You are the family of God. Whether you believe it or not, believe it or not, God sees you as family. God sees you as a son and daughter. God has a good and glorious plan. He doesn't wait for you to surrender. He doesn't wait for you to ask for forgiveness. God's already got the plan. He's just waiting for you to step into it. You want to run the race? You want to run the right race? You want to get to the finish line you're supposed to get to? You want to live life to the absolute fullest? It is time to step out of the slavery and the sin that so easily weighs us down and entangles us and start stepping into being the true, full-on family of God. Start being the son and daughter that God destined you to be. And without this, the other two don't work. Let's pray. Oh, question three. When was the last time you allowed the Holy Spirit to search your life for the things that didn't belong? When was the last time you paused? We're, go- we're about to pause. Heads up. <laughs> That's why I had to do the question first. When was the last time you just stopped and let the Holy Spirit search your life and speak to those dark places you're trying to keep from Him? When was the last time you allowed him to speak and touch on maybe your pride? When was the last time you let the Spirit do what only he can do and not guilt you, not, not, con- not condemn you, but convict you to something better? When was the last time you allowed the Spirit of God to do what only the Spirit of God can do and search you and make you aware of the things that don't belong? Now we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, and pray for everyone here this morning. Spirit, we invite you into this place that you would search us. Search us for the things that don't belong. Search us for the things that we've been making excuses for. Search us, God, for the things that are trying to take the throne of our life away from you. Search us, God, for the weights that we are carrying that we don't have to. Father, find the sin, find the addiction, find the compromise so that we do not have to be weighed down, we do not have to be burdened by something that you saved us from, but we can step into the fullness of what it means to be the family of God. Because you are the only one who can do this. You're the only one who can save us. You're the only one who can redeem the situation we're in. Only 
you can make things right. And so, Spirit, we surrender our hearts, we surrender our minds, we surrender our whole life to you, and just say, search us, God, and root out all that does not belong. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.